Hello, and welcome to Wands and Fronds, the weekly podcast, weekly again, I should add, uh, yeah. where we cover magic, herbalism, and more. I'm Nick. And I'm Shannon. And we are your co-hosts. And um, this week, I'm doing a little bit of a Japan recap uh, as we relaunch into fall. Yeah, I'm going to be talking about some, like, money manifestation basically just like some updates on some magic that seems to have worked but in a very very slow way um which i'm excited to get into but before we do that nick when did you feel the magic in the last like month since we've recorded Ooh, i would say the the bowing deer and nara have to be up there um, yeah i mean of course. Also, I would say, and I'll talk about this a little bit more, but um, when we went to the Fushimi Inari Shrine, which is the one with all of the, the Tori gates, like, yeah. a like a thousand Tori gates or something, um, everyone there, or I, I, not everyone, because I certainly didn't, but a lot of people go there and they rent like robes and kimonos and stuff and um, wear kitsune masks. Oh my gosh. So you have all these people in like traditional garb and also wearing these like fox, kitsune means fox, like fox masks. And it was very, um, very quirky and very- I uh, love it. I, I don't even know, like I can't compare it to like a movie or a TV show, but it was just very um, interesting. I love that. Yeah, I guess for me, I'm sorry, I have got the yawns today. Um, I've been unemployed for a few days now because I start my new job on Monday. And I have to say, uh, unemployment suits me. I've <laughs> definitely enjoyed lounging. Um, for me, magically, I think it's really been a lot of this stuff kind of coming together with my new job, which I'll also talk about. But beyond that, uh, one of the great things... <laughs> that I've been like really leaning into this season is like crafting. So like painting and creating stuff. And I always just end up feeling like such a fucking hedge witch when I'm like making my home special. And yesterday I finished these like few projects I've been working on, like these cute little trays that I made. Um, I made these really like intricate clay borders for the top of the trays and like they're all painted matte black. And then I did like a gold embellishment on the edges. And it's like, I don't know, something about that to me feels really magical, like making things for my home. And I've been doing a lot of that lately. So that's been fun. Oh, yeah. Well, and then didn't you make those knobs in your kitchen too? I did. Yeah, I made uh, mushroom knobs for my all of my kitchen cabinets, which are super cute. It's like, I don't know, something about that just feels witchy to me because there's obviously like a lot of intention in it and I think that especially as renters so much stuff ends up carrying so much like energy from all sorts of different people that have been in your space before and something about making it your own I think for me at least also kind of makes it feel very cleansed like deeply cleansed like this is mine now no I definitely know what you mean as like uh pretty much a apartment renting lifer yeah yeah because we're millennials <laughs> um no i actually um i don't know if it's the the equinox or what but i did feel very compelled this week to clean and reorganize my bedroom uh oh love that in, you know i just got including I was going to say, including a top-down reorganization of that closet. Well, that's always a big one. Um, there's definitely, like, cleaning energy in the air because I just bought, and I'm going to use it today, I bought a steam mop and, like, this handheld, like, steam cleaner with a brush on the end, and I'm going to clean the shower grout. Mm, like, but I got, satisfying. I'm excited, right? I'm excited about the steam mop, though, because, like, I have pets and I really sometimes feel like with the Swiffer, it doesn't get as clean as I would like. 
Mm. So I got to say that. Say <laughs> that. No, because honestly, it's like, that's what we use. And um, it's like, okay, this is supposed to be convenient, but I can see the streaks. Yeah, it's like, are we just leaving a film that the pad's <laughs> just not picking up? Because it often feels like that to me. <laughs> um, in particular in the kitchen, because like you and I are both people that cook a lot. And when mm -hmm. you cook a lot, it just gets in the air. You know, it's like you always like have that kind of like slightly oily film you get in a kitchen that's well used. Mm -hmm. And so I'm I'm both excited and terrified about steam mopping the kitchen. Okay. I do have to say, I saw this incredible roast online where um, this person was like, look at how greasy the dust in my house is. Like, look at how bad the pollution is. This country is going to hell or some shit like that. And someone was like, oh, actually, that's because open concept kitchens are a thing. Uh, yeah. And then it turned out I, that the person- I love having doors on my kitchen. And then it turned out that the person did have an open concept kitchen. And it's like, yeah, you know what? There's a reason that the kitchen used to be one of the only separate areas of the house. Um, it's because there's, there's flying. Yeah, there's food. There's food. And it's yeah, like, as, as much as we love to have an open concept kitchen with an island, there's literally grease traveling around your house now. Yeah, it's like an open concept kitchen is wonderful if you order takeout every night. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, do you want to eat your takeout on an island? Because that's the really the only practical thing that you can do in an open concept kitchen that doesn't require a lot of extra work. But on that note with the roast, um, speaking of like roast and not metaphorical literal roasts, um, on Thursday night, because, you know, Maybon is like, one of those great holidays where it has like an exact date, but it's also kind of like a three date range. So we're like, whatever, we're going to do a little Maybon every day until like actual Maybon, which is today. Um, Trader Joe's plug for TJ's. I'm like, they should pay us as much as I feel like we talk about them. They have this like sweet and savory maple spatchcock chicken. And so I got that and I put it on a bed of like, rainbow carrots and chopped um chopped sweet potatoes and then I like covered it in foil and roasted it and then like uncovered it to get everything crunchy and then I finished like the veg in that like delicious pan gravy with some like crumbled goat cheese and it was like chef's kiss and like that maple spatchcock chicken was fucking dope and like as witches who work I love the seasonal stuff at Trader Joe's because then it's like I can enjoy seasonal stuff when I don't have four hours to prepare to prepare roast chicken. That's yeah, that does sound really good. I need a little TJ's run in my life, honestly. Yeah, today for actual Maybon, I'm doing roasted acorn squash, baby multicolored potatoes, um, and then like fennel sausage. And I got pomegranates, and I love putting like pomegranates on top of roasted squash so I'm gonna do that with like goat cheese again because I I love goat cheese for some reason goat cheese also feels very fall to me and I I have no reason to back that up other than it just feels correct in my brain so well I would say there is something about like the stuff that goat cheese goes with yeah being very fall yeah, it's like beets and like those like wintry root veg. It's like so good. But like roasted acorn squash with goat cheese and pomegranate seeds on top is honestly one of my favorite fall dishes. That really sounds like something Sola would make. Also, shout out to Sola for having a Virgo baby. Oh my God, right? Sola, who also had the best, I love her recipe for a brown butter, like a uh, cast iron cake. And it's one of my go-tos when I have a sweet tooth and don't have anything like chocolatey at home because I always have frozen fruit because I love smoothies and I always have like butter. So like her brown butter fucking cast iron like cake recipe, please go get it for yourself if you have not already. I, I actually have to say that is one of the, 
so many people have come out with cookbooks this year and it's literally impossible to keep up. But Sola's cookbook is one where I'm like, I'm going to buy that. Yes, it's one that I will buy because I have too many cookbooks already. But hers was one I was like, oh, no, like I will I will get this because I have never tried one of her recipes and not been fucking thrilled. Exactly. Exactly. She does a great job. But let's get into it. Yeah, let's, let's get in. into it. Um, why don't I go first, Nick? Because I think I have a lot less to cover than you do. And That's then true. That's true. And my, mine's going to be a bit of a ram- rambly ramble. I love. We're going to ramble on. Um, but, but for me, I just really kind of wanted to give an update. So, like, we talk a lot about manifesting and how you need to be specific. And I was just, like, reflecting and realizing that over a year ago... I had very specifically manifested like being able to have a job where I made $125,000 a year and was able to work with great people. And I had in mind doing like an herbal business this whole time. Um, But turns out that's the exact dollar amount I was offered at the fill as my initial like offer, which I countered and got more. Yay. But I'm also going to have a team of like four people. So it was just really funny because I was thinking about it. And I was like, this is not how I envisioned this manifestation coming to pass. And yet. But also I appreciated that I got a little bit more money because inflation is a fucking monster. And I live in Los Angeles. So anyone that's like not in LA, that's like, holy shit, that's so much money. Anywhere else in the country. Yes. (laughs) In LA. That is a livable wage. Um, But I was just like, I was just cackling about it because it was like so specific, except for being in a different line of business than I had wanted. And I wanted to kind of just like, first of all, give that like, yay, it's been over a year, but manifesting does work, even if it ends up happening in ways that you don't exactly foresee. But also I wanted to like talk, I guess, a little bit about what I had done for the manifestation. So obviously like, There was like the writing, the candle magic with it. I was really as specific as possible. I put it in a jar of honey, burnt a candle over it, did the whole like meditation. But then I also got this stuff at Paper Source. And I've been kind of using this as like little mini manifestation bumps. And it's wish paper. And I don't know if you've seen it, but it's like the paper where you write on it and then you kind of crumple it up fold it out and then put it in a tube and then you light it and it like lifts off at the end it's like I forget the there's like a scientific word for it because Rob has this shit at home because it's apparently popular in labs and it like lights really fast and then flows up in the air which is so much fun and can I just say it's fun for manifestation magic I there's a Bob's Burgers episode where they're selling that on the beach to make wishes yes exactly that stuff so I bought a pack of that and I've been flash using paper. it. Yes. Thank you. Flash paper. So I love flash paper for manifesting. Um, practice with fire safely. But I had just been doing that a lot. And I had kind of hit this point where I honestly thought I wasn't going to get the job because the interview process had taken so long. And I was just really like down and kind of like hit this point where I was like, holy fuck, I'm going to be stuck in this job. And then a bunch of dramatic shit went down at my, like, previous office where, like, there was some racism and some people being treated really poorly. And then perfect timing, I finally got the offer. After, I shit you not, four months of interviews and conversations and being put off. And then it came through. So mostly at the end of the day, this is just like a a PSA where it's like manifesting works. Um, it just took a really long time and it looks completely different than I thought it would do, but all my flash paper and my candle meditations and my being specific and writing stuff down did work. And I'm just like relieved that I'm getting out because the office I was in was really toxic and I get to have a team, which I'm so excited to be a manager. Like, I think that's going to be so much fun. I'm a Virgo. I love telling people what to do. And also helping them be their best selves. So anyway, that's that. I really didn't have a whole lot to cover. Basically just an update because I'm feeling fucking on fire about this coming through. And it also feels like the universe like put a little extra on top because it took so long, which is nice. 
yeah, that's that's what you want. That's absolutely what you want. Um, no, I do love. I mean, a year is like a decently long amount of time to you. Yeah, it is a long time, and I've been like, I have applied for multiple positions that like fell through. Because as much as I want to be an herbalist professionally, I also, like, the reality is I live in L.A. And I think that that's also, I want to be, like, very, like, forthright with that. Because I listen to a lot of woo podcasts from people that, like, get to do witchy shit full time. Which is awesome. But also that's not everyone's journey. And it doesn't make you less of a badass magical person if you also have to fucking participate in capitalism. Because we live in America. So we see you. We love you. You're no less of a witch because you have to go to an office. Good work. Well, and I would say I think there is something to where people, I, I mean, you know, in the woo community, I feel like there's a lot of putting on the show. Yes. That like gets people, you know, and it's kind of like, the modern mystery school how they love to like whip out the crystals and dress like stevie nicks and like really just lay it on so thick and i just you know i've never seen that really being like your style and no no but it is like i feel like sometimes i've often had like imposter syndrome like am i not a good enough witch that i can't like be a professional herbalist and it's like no, but also I was reading this book, which is like just a fun book. It's like not actually a magic book, but it's called like um, Small Town Big Magic. And I'm on Big Little Spells, which is the sequel now. Really like cute book series about like witches living in Missouri. Um, but they they said this thing in the first book that really stuck with me. And they're like, being a witch isn't what you are. It's who you are. And I was like, OK, and I know this is fantasy world, but IRL, that feels right oh no doubt no doubt also shout out to you for loaning me the magicians oh um, yeah for sure i actually didn't really think about the logistics of it and i guess i will just get that back to you um at christmas time yeah yeah next time i see you. it's not like i'll never see you again i figured we'd just get it from you at christmas. <laughs> um <laughs> cool so that's mine. That's all I had. It wasn't a whole lot, but um, just like a little life update and magic update because low and slow, man. I'm also like Saturn is also my fucking chart ruler. So, of course, my manifestation took a year. Yeah. Like, no, really, though. Although, did I, t did so I tell you about, um, okay, adventures and having uh, a big Jupiter placement? Um, and also traveling. Now, this was the most extensive and expensive uh, traveling I've ever done in my life, um, which was, you know, 10 days in Japan. Um, yeah, finally did it. That's why we've been off the air for, I think, like three weeks now. For a while, but it's okay. We also, like, I think needed a vacation personally. I'm feeling excited to get back into the podcast and it was feeling like a slog there towards the end. And I'm really glad that we took a little break. I think we need it. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, um, so yeah, adventures and having a uh, big Jupiter placement. So um, let's see. Okay. So on the way back going through customs, uh, they did the really cool thing where they opened up an, an extra line uh, and it was seemingly just for these like eight, I'm I'm guessing based on their outfits that it was Singapore Airlines, but it was like these eight like Singapore Airlines um, cabin crew. And then the guy just walks over. Keeping in mind, there's a long ass line to go through customs. This always happens to you. <laughs> what did I say? Comes up to me and Bailey and is like, are you guys American citizens? And we're holding our passports and we're like, yeah. And he's like, you can go through this line. Nick, what did I say <laughs> when we dropped you off? I was like, I was like, it's two hours. That's plenty of time. Plus, you know, you're going to get waved through security. Yeah, well, it happened. It happened. Hi, um... Jupiter. Jupiter <laughs> really does like fucking worship you. Like you get like 
so many beautiful gifts given to you from that planet. <laughs> well, and then it's so funny too, because um, coming back, I had a paycheck that was only for um, two days, right? Yeah. But they overpaid me by $300. <laughs> which, um, you know, Bailey, my roommate, who had gone on this trip with me, had bought our bullet train tickets and stuff, um, as well as the $91 cab ride home. That's like that's like JFK-level cab fare. Well, because they, okay, but they didn't have Ubers. I, we got in at midnight on a Friday, which is busy in Austin, because we yeah. have a whole district of bars. I get it. Yeah. But... Um, so they could, we couldn't even find an Uber, but they had a whole thing of taxis lined up and ready to go. So it's like, what are you going to do? Uh, but all of that to say, um, I got to pay him mostly back early, which was nice. And can I, I just have to say, no, like <clears throat> literally when I went for that work conference to New York at the beginning of the year, the cab fare from our hotel to JFK was $108. Like, that's literally, like, New York City-level fare. Yeah, and, no, and that was so dumb, though, because the, the cab guy was like, oh, it's actually um, about the same or cheaper. Wow. And the lie detector test did determine that was a lie. But all of that yeah. to say, um, yeah, Jupiter was coming coming in clutch. Also, I have to say, too, the two-week forecast was saying that it was going to rain, like, every day we were there. And there was, like, some spotty rain, and we did get hit by a typhoon. But um, actually, for the most part, the weather was really nice. I was about to say, in your photos, it did not look like y'all were constantly in downpours, which I know is what the weather app was saying. Which is what the weather app absolutely was saying. And actually, a lot of the overcast was very welcome because at like 100% humidity, the sun was very punishing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I love an overcast day anyway, but especially when it's warm. Oh, yeah. But all of that to say, um, it was a beautiful trip. And we actually got to go to some really amazing shrines, which I think you know, keeping in the theme of the podcast is kind of the thing to talk about. Um, so again, we went to Fu Fushimi Inari Shrine, which Inari uh, is sort of like a good, um, good luck deity, but specifically with money and business. So a lot of businesses will have little Inari Shrines, um, a lot of like private landowners and stuff will um, have little Inari shrines. And this was actually, Fushimi Inari was the Inari shrine where the emperor would go back in the day. Um, so kind of a big deal. So for like the nations, good harvest, good business, good money. Um, that's where he would go pray for that. And there's a thousand Tory gates. And that's the one where I was saying people dress up in like row. Well, a lot of the places that are like kind of touristy places, people will dress up in, in robes and kimonos. Um, and that's just, you know, they, I, they just like to do a little bit of like, like cosplay. Now I just want to say it's like, it's funny to me because it's it would be the equivalent of like if you went to I mean we don't really have old places like that here but like if you went somewhere in Boston and dressed up like a pilgrim or like a founding father yeah I mean it's like all of the historical re like all the historical recreation stuff but it wasn't it wasn't <laughs> but just... not like that but it's like but dressing up like that but the thing that that I thought was interesting was that it wasn't just a bunch of like foreigners. I mean, obviously it was like people who were being tourists, but it was like a lot of Japanese people were like renting kimonos to go to these temples and gardens and stuff, um, which I found because it seems kind of gimmicky and like something that would mainly appeal to like foreigners, but they eat the shit up and they're taking their little kimono photos you know walking around um 
I mean, look, let's not pretend like the Japanese do not like nail aesthetic. And the, and also they love cosplaying. Yeah. So they dress up better than any other like country in the world. And it's like, I mean, and that's not even just that's not a stereotype. That is just like fact. It's like Japanese, like Tokyo street fashion is iconic. Like these are people that can put on an outfit. Oh, absolutely. Actually, and I'll get into that a little bit later on. Um, but okay, so Fushimi Inari, that was one of the days where it was rainy. And um, which I think did help with the crowd. Now that one is supposed to be really super crowded, but um, I mean, it was still pretty crowded, but there was definitely enough breadth to like walk through. And if you stopped for a minute, you know, the people would keep going in front of you enough to like take a picture. Um, so that was nice. But then there was this side path um, that no one was taking because it doesn't have the little gates over it, but there was this side path up to um, like a little mini shrine and like a graveyard. Ooh, spooky. And it was like up and like around the side of the, the mountain and it was there was no one up there and it was i mean and it was like raining and there was like a bamboo forest over there and we were like it was literally deathly quiet and it was just so nice to like be over there and the graveyards over there are crazy like the little statues and stuff that they have out um almost a, as good of an attraction as like the the path with all of the gates on it um, but also, okay, and this is what I, this is what got me, is there seemed to be a place that was a restaurant or a tea house or something, and you could kind of smell something cooking, but there was nobody in there, and the door was just half open. Spooky! I love and, it! And I was like, okay, this is like a spirited away moment, like, if you were to go in and and then eat, sit down and eat food, something bad would happen. Yeah, Surely. it's like the fae. The fae are trying to cook you dinner. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, Fushimi and Ari, definitely. And it, that one's open 24 hours though. And everyone's like, oh, go at night or like go super early in the morning. And, you know, I would say, I don't know what you're going to be able to see at night, though, for taking photos. So maybe early in the morning is is kind of the better time to go. Yeah. But all of that to say, that one was really cool. And then another one we went to in Kyoto was, um, let me just go back here. Because I had, I had them all pulled up because uh, some of the names, as an English speaker all kind of run together. I'm sorry. I'm sorry to the, the language of Japan. Um, which I will say, and this is just an aside, they do hype up a lot in like tourism videos, kind of like that everyone in Japan speaks a little English or like that there's a large portion of people that speak English. Um, didn't necessarily find that to be the case. Like everyone knows hello and... Um, whatever but there's a lot of there was a lot of google translate going on so i would just say to anyone looking to make that kind of trip get a little bit of the language under your belt because it's kind of like i think a good analogy would be like to tell someone from central america that everyone in america uh, speaks spanish we can yeah. all say we can all we can all say like hello um and like jokingly order a beer but and ask where the bathrooms are. I know how to ask for the bathroom in Spanish. Right, right, right. But it's like truly that does not really translate that well to like if someone actually needed to talk to you. Yeah. Um, but so right when you get off at Kyoto Station, um, and actually we were walking towards our Airbnb, just getting off the train, like literally two blocks from Kyoto Station, which is fucking huge by the way <clears throat> it also has like a 12-story department store in the station just to give That's you an idea wild. of how big the station is 
um, is Higashi Hoganji Temple, which is one of the biggest wooden structures in the world. Um, it's been rebuilt a bunch of times, but the original one is from like 800. Wow. So, so pretty fucking old. Um, and it is one of the oldest uh, Buddhist temples. Okay, it was actually, no, it's from 1602. So it's like over 400 years old, which yeah, is still you know. really old. <laughs> um, but yeah, rebuilt in 1985, the main building was, and it's um, the Jodo Shin School of Buddhism, which they the emperor split in the 1800s because it was getting too big. Um, but yeah, it was really cool, and they have, okay, so this one, I thought, it was very, um, we kept talking about it, too, because when we were looking at it on Google Maps to see, like, what the temple was, um, eventually we found the little information center and got pamphlets and stuff, but, um, there was a Google review. And I just, I, I'm going to try to show you this picture through the computer, but it's like that. Oh, that's really pretty. So there was this Google review from some Australian girl named Kayla, where she was unimpressed by the architecture. Wow. Kayla, get it together. Kayla, like Taylor. Oh, Taylor. Taylor. Like T you. and it was literally spelled T-A-Y-L-U-H. Which sounds like a Kath and Kim joke name. Yeah. It sounds like my sister, whose middle name is Taylor, even though right. it's pronounced Taylor, T-A-Y-L-A-R. Uh-huh. Which we're all just convinced my mom was doped up on drugs. Um not like bad drugs, like drugs from giving birth, but you yeah, know. they they do uh, regularly give you drugs when you're giving birth. So yeah, <clears throat> and it was different different level of drugs in the '90s, right? But anyway, all of that to say, there was this really sort of like dumb Google review of this girl being like, "Yeah, well, the architecture didn't really impress me, and um, you can't even see anything." So they have an inner sanctum, which is behind these huge screens. Uh, and you can't see the stuff back there unless you are one of the monks. There. Um, which, honestly, I there was a couple of shrines we went to that were like that, where it was like, it's the mystery. Yeah. And also, like, I'm sorry, but it it is still a place of, like, worship and spiritual study. So, like, they are allowed to have boundaries. Yeah, I, well, and then I was, I was literally thinking it very much is like, you know, the uh, Eleusinian mysteries or the, the Dianic mysteries, you know, where it's like there, there is an inner sanctum. You have to be initiated to see the stuff behind the wall. Yeah. Uh, and I would say, you know, as far as like a religion that does not proselytize, you got to have something to, to get people on the hook. Right, you've got to have a little bit of bait. You gotta have a little bit of something to get the people on the hook. But no, it was really cool and um just like really they have the like giant lanterns. And yeah, it's like one of the biggest wooden freestanding wooden structures in the world, which is not the tallest. Cause I was looking it up and you know, it's one of those things where it's like I I don't care about the tallest wooden structure in the world because it's like a radio tower. Yeah, that's like, not fun. In like Poland or something. And it's like, okay, well, I, I don't care about that. <laughs> like, I, I don't know what else to tell you. But it's one of the biggest wooden structures in the world. So that was cool. Um, and they had all these little like, uh, like Buddhist sayings around the gallery, which was kind of nice to like stop and kind of beef like beef like a more spiritual live laugh love yeah 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 well you know it's like to to be to to be 
to be forced as a himbo to have to foster a deep thought for one second of your life. It's important. Even himbos need to self-reflect. Right, right, right. But um, that one was really cool. And then we went to the one in Nara that has the biggest bronze Buddha in the world. Ooh. And that one was really cool. Um, let's see. Sorry, I had all these pulled up and then my phone is being. Your phone's being a dickhead about it? Yeah. <laughs> okay, it's at, the English translation is Great Buddha Hall, um, or it's called the Dai Butsuden. Um, and yeah, it was really cool. Um, and the original temple was founded in 738. Holy shit. Um, and then it was rebuilt in 1709. I mean, here's the thing. All these places are made of, like, wood and rice paper. Well, yeah, for they the, got to do a little bit of for the, for the most part. So it's, it's, it was, it's very clear if you go to some of these places why they are prone to fires. Yeah. Um, well, it's like the Japanese art pavilion at LACMA. It's like they had to get, they got a big grant to like refurbish it, but it is like, there's so much wood and rice paper that like, you just have to do a lot of upkeep, especially in a place like Japan, where you're talking about like hundred percent humidity and a ton of rain, you know, you're going to have to do some updates. But yeah, so that one was really cool. That one's actually a UNESCO site too. Ooh. Oh, that's fun. Um, and, you know, they consider it a national treasure. And I, it's it's actually really funny because that one, um, I guess it's not really funny, but Bailey was kind of the one that was more looking into all the temples to go to. And so and really, I was just in Nara for the deer. I mean, yeah. Because there's just like the, the free roaming little cute, basically tame deer. You can like pet them. and although... You look like Artemis in those photos. It, it really was, it was giving. It was absolutely giving. But um, we kind of, we kind of squeezed that one into the end of the day, but it was really, really cool. And when I tell you that that Buddha statue is like, I want to say more than two stories tall, like it's big. God, that's really hard to like wrap your head around. It's really, really, really quite large. And um, there's some other like side deities in there. There was like, uh, you know, this, like, warrior guy, and then there was, like, a lady also in giant bronze statue form. Love it. But what I couldn't get over was how ornamental just the rafters of the building are. Like, literally the whole thing is just a work of art. Like, even something that you aren't necessarily looking at. Like, again, the rafters of the building and how like the wooden joinery all fits together, but still has like an aesthetic element to it. It's just something that we don't. Yeah, I mean, it's like, you think about how all the like 80s brown architecture in Austin, mm, it's mm -hmm. like very uninspired. Very uninspired and very uninspiring. Yeah. Um, uh, honestly, a bit depressing. So that was cool. And then I just, you know, not really a temple, but I do have to say, um, as a bit of a lifelong weeb and a huge fan of the uh, Memoirs of a Geisha cinematic universe. Um, I, big same. Big same. I, I was very excited to go to Gion for, for like half a day and walk around the Geisha neighborhood. We did actually see... Uh, a couple of geishas live and in person um, that were attending a dinner near there one night. That's so um, cool. And, but it was really just like a, a blink and you'll miss it kind of situation. Um, yeah. But that was cool. And then I'm 
fairly certain I saw one out of makeup on one of the side streets in the Geisha neighborhood, which I kind of figured I would because the part that I was in had all the like Geisha shoe stores and like hairpin stores. And they were like the actual Geisha shoe store and hairpin store, not the tourist version. Cause I was deep in the side streets. So I did That's see this, so fun. this woman walking around that I think was like a Geisha out of makeup or maybe like an ex Geisha, like a house mother kind of situation. She was like shopping for stuff and, um, you're not allowed to take photos in that neighborhood. Not that there's really anyone there to enforce it. Here's something about Japan. You never see cops. I love that. You never see cops, but everyone's following the rules. So it's almost like the peer pressure of it all is what keeps people in line, not the police presence. Which I love. More peer pressure, less guns. exactly exactly um okay and then one of my favorite temples that we went to or i guess it's a shrine was the 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 seven lucky deities so this is a shinto this is a shinto shrine and we accidentally found this and it's that's how you know it's the goods because we just saw this huge stone Tory gate and these steps, which went almost straight up. And we were just like, okay, well, we have a, we obviously have the time. We're just walking home after doing like a day of other stuff, right? Yeah. Um, and anyway, so we go up and it's um, seven lucky deities and it's, they're, the different ones are for different kinds of good luck. Like Inari is for like good luck with money and business. Um, and yeah, Shinagawa Jinja has the seven deities of good luck. And they, okay, but there's one little bit that I did have post pictures of where all the statues are frogs. I love it so much. And apparently the frogs, if you like leave an offering for the frogs, it's to like return to that place. Um, so I was very excited to find that out after the fact because I was obsessed with the frogs and I did put my coins in the little box by the frogs. Um, I did also put some coins in the main one and they say for the the seven deities of good luck that um you know any money that you give at those shrines comes back to you times ten thousand. so that's why i did the math and i was like well i'm pretty sure i gave at least 100 yen which would be a million yen times ten thousand. so that's seven thousand american dollars so not a crazy amount of money but you know i'll be looking for my check in the mail yeah, uh, made out to you from Japan. <laughs> to me from Japan. But that one was really cool. And I, I so I did look it up after the fact because, um, again, didn't really develop my Japanese language skills, which I, if you want to take a trip like that, you should. Um, couldn't read the signs. So just looked it up on Google. But it's the largest still standing um fujizuka which means that they carted in volcanic rock from mount fuji to make a miniature which is the hill that it's on to make like a miniature mount fuji so that people who can't take the pilgrimage to mount fuji and are not strong enough to climb to the top have the opportunity to do it in a smaller form um at the shrine that's so fucking cool so and then uh, Bailey actually got challenged to a race by a small, adorable child. Um, and I have the little video of that, of them, like, uh, racing to the top of the stairs. Um, and also, like, a picture of them together. Also, okay, and I have to say, I have to say, one thing that I was not expecting was all of the unsupervised children. And that makes sense to me after living in Park La Brea. Sure. 
well, it's a and, cultural thing. It's definitely a cultural thing. And here's what I will say. It's not that they were badly behaved. Because I do, I do want to say, I never saw, like, the kid that was, like, challenging Bailey to a race was really the only one that I feel like, quote, unquote, stepped out of line. Yeah, they were um, all, like, very well behaved. Because, again, it's that, like, societal expectation that everyone does the right thing. But you would absolutely see kids, like, I mean, you would want to say, like, six, seven years old, like, little kids walking around by themselves, taking the subway. Like, wow. I mean, it was just so mind-boggling, and it just really made me feel bad about how America is, that even if you did have, like, a well-behaved kid, you could not trust the you other could not, people. You could not trust the other people to, like, let your kid take a bus or take a subway. Like, even if they were smart and independent and, like, well-behaved and knew what to do, you literally could not trust that they would not get kidnapped. Yeah. But to have that, like, societal level of trust that you will just send your kid out and let them take a train to and from school by themselves is just, like... I can't wrap my head around it. I, like... I, I, I And it was so... Again, simultaneously life-affirming, because it's like, it's nice to know that there is a place in the world where everyone is not constantly living in fear of the other people around them, but also makes me feel so bad about America. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it would take so much for us to even get there. Yeah. It's, like, definitely not within our lifetimes. Yeah, like, America needs a fucking exorcism. <laughs> it's true because it's the vi true. the vibes here are terrible um yeah the vibes are off <laughs> the vibes are off honey um and then i think really that's those are some of the the spiritual highlights um i will say the like nature areas in japan so beautiful i can see why they feel deeply spiritual uh, about their rocks and trees and rivers and stuff like it was pretty great i love that I um love that. but you actually had a taroscope for us i did um i have an oracle scope i guess if we wanted to be <laughs> Extra accurate, but I got it for Capricorn. Ayo, look at the fish Hey, cat. fish cat. <laughs> um, shout out to Shannon and Eric. So I got this really great Oracle deck, uh, Oracle of the Fairies, from my friend Kelly for my birthday because we didn't, we haven't recorded since then. My birthday was on August 25th, so it's been a minute. Um, <laughs> but for you, Capricorn, I have drawn Tree Wisdom, which has this like gorgeous little artwork. And I'm just going to, like, read the little, like, book page because I'm still getting to know this deck. But also, it's, like, the way it's written is so cute. So, um, it says on the card, this tree dryad will help you navigate through your current situation. Her flute can reveal insights and answers through the sounds it makes. And so, this tree dryad invites you to tune in to ancient tree wisdom and allow it to imbue your aura. She plays upon her wooden flute to attract your attention through its enchanting sound and vibration and wishes you to know that your present situation can be helped when you connect with trees. Uh, and then it has a great thing about hugging trees. Trees offer their wisdom through different gifts depending on the season. In the spring and summer months, tree blossoms can be very healing and uplifting. And in the cooler seasons of autumn and winter, the trees shed their leaves knowing that there will be new growth in the springtime. The same goes for you. The fairies say tree wisdom can help you shed any unwanted cares or concerns to learn to release with love and know that the new spiritual growth will come to you when the time is right. Tree wisdom is knowing that birds, insects, and animals will carry the tree seeds far away so they can grow in their own right, literally in their own light. Perhaps it's time for you to move away from a situation that's stunting your growth or for a general move to allow a new set of circumstances to open up in your life. So, tree wisdom. For Capricorn. 
love that. Feels feels like very good earthy vibes for them too. Yeah, and I think that especially because it's like all about it's autumn, right? So it's all about shedding stuff. It's literally Maybon while we're recording this. It's the autumnal equinox. I think it's a great invitation for you Capricorns to like, even if it's not like getting a new job or like getting into a new situation, sometimes it's like shedding the burden of your preconceived notions about a situation. And to me, that feels like a very important message for Capricorns because like Virgos, like other earth signs, we are often very comfortable in our own sense of rightness. And sometimes Mm. we need to shed that so we can let new stuff come in because we are all, every earth sign I know, we're all a little stubborn. And sometimes we have to like allow our own stuff to get out of our way. Absolutely. Well, you know, a little short, a little sweet, but we're back at it, folks. So um, we're back, babies. Summer's over. Finally. Fucking finally. I hate summer. Summer is a lie that the American school system has tried to trick us into thinking is the best time of year. But it's Yeah, not. no. It sucks. It's hot. The nights are only going to get longer and the days shorter from here on out, my sweets, which I cannot wait. I'm just like, I want a cozy soup moment. Oh, we had ramen for dinner last night because it was in the 60s by the evening yesterday. Oh, shut up. It was so nice. My God. No, I'm literally like, I want a cozy soup moment where I'm not cosplaying a cozy soup moment. Can I just say that I had a cozy soup moment last night, but I also had gotten accidentally too stoned and I realized that there's nothing cozier. I fell asleep on the couch at nine o'clock. That's incredible. But yeah. Well, what do we say to all of our um, moody, fall-loving bitches? Oh my god. To all of our moody, fall-loving bitches, we see you, and blessed be bitches. Blessed be bitches. Goodbye. Bye now. Okay. Now I've got to remember how to turn this off. It's been too long. (laughs) 